Hello, and welcome to Inside the College of Charleston. I'm Mike Robertson, and on today's episode, I speak with John White, the Dean of Libraries here at the College of Charleston. Let's get started. John, when someone mentions the College of Charleston Libraries, they naturally think of Adelstone Library, but your department operates more than just at one site. Talk about some of the places you manage. So not only do we have Adelstone Library, which is the campus's main library, we also have our special collections, which are housed within Adelstone. There's the Avery Research Center for African American History and Culture, which is on Bull Street. Uh, We also have the Marine Resources Library, which is out at Fort Johnson. And of course, we have all of the many various virtual spaces that the library provides where we can provide access to library materials, collections, librarians, all virtually from anywhere in the world, including, say, our campus in Trujillo. Let's talk about uh, Avery. Go back to that for a second here. Uh, One of the things they recently received was a Mellon Foundation Award for $2 million. It's a multi-year grant, one of the largest uh, in CSC's history. What does that mean for Avery? Well, it's a real game changer for Avery. Uh, The grant total is $2.5 million over four years. Uh, It will allow Avery to, you know, process a number of collections that they haven't had the staff or resources to get to to make them accessible to the public. It will allow them to develop outreach tools for K-12 education. Uh, It will allow them to do staff training. Essentially what that grant allows us to do is double the size of the staff at Avery so that we will have the personnel available to do all of the things that you know Avery may have been able to accomplish, but it would have taken them 20 years to do it. So it's a catalytic grant in the sense that it's going to provide an accelerator to you know, make Avery's mission to you know, provide access to African-American history and culture you know, more accessible to more people sooner than it ever would have happened without the grant. It really is a game-changing investment in the research center and you know the, the staff, the librarians, the archivists, who work there, uh, you know, really hit it out of the park with this one. They came up with an excellent plan that obviously Mellon believes in. And uh, just to be awarded a grant from one of the most prestigious humanities-based granting agencies in the world is a big win for the College of Charleston. And and the good thing about Avery now is now you can tour Avery Research Center. You can. Uh, The the Research Center offers self-guided tours Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 10.30 a.m. till 12 p.m. and again from 2 p.m to 3.30 p.m. Uh, for large groups, we ask that they you limit it to 25 people or fewer per time slot for the self-guided tours. And these can be reserved through the Avery website, which is just avery.cfc.edu slash visit. Uh, and you know they're planning on resuming these tours to the general public uh, beginning sort of mid-spring 2024. Thinking about uh, things that are, are, have been going on for a while now, since uh, 2020, you've been pretty much transforming uh, Adelstone's first floor. Uh, Matter of fact, we're in now phase three, the last phase of this uh, renovation. Tell me more about the renovations. What are you guys doing? So the first phase of the renovation was really about improving the nuts and bolts of the basic infrastructure for the first floor. It was adding power and data to places where we didn't have it before, opening up more seating and availability for students, uh, you know, increasing our capacity to just provide library services throughout throughout the building. As we move into the next phases, we've added two podcast studios. Uh, we have added an increasingly sophisticated amount of equipment, such as high-tech movie cameras and video recorders and things that students can check out from the library that circulate. And we're going to be moving an exhibit to rehouse the John Rivers Communication Museum 
and the exhibits from the Communication Museum on the first floor of Addlestone. And that'll really take students through electronic communication of information and ideas, which is really what libraries do these days, beginning with the telegraph and moving all the way up through early uh, connected computing. Uh, and then, of course, our library kicks in where that leaves off and provides the 21st century piece of that exhibit just by its existence. Uh, now, are you going to have, uh, is this going to be every couple of months or so, uh, new items in there? or How are you going to rotate things? Uh, there is going to be sort of a standard you know, exhibition that will be refreshed periodically, you know, using some of the other materials from the Communication Museum. But we're going to have, you know, several thousand square feet of exhibit material when we first open. So, most of the major errors of electronic communication will be represented from the beginning. And then we'll do you know, refreshes from time to time. What's really exciting is we'll be back to being able to do some public programming to share stories about some of these things you know, with our students, with our faculty, with our staff, with our larger community. Uh, you know, and that is, you know, rather than just being a static museum you know, exhibit, being able to bring some of these things to life. Um, I know it makes some of us feel very, very old, but a lot of our students have never even had their hands on a television that has the dial and knobs located on the TV, let alone watch the TV on a picture tube TV. Yeah. So uh, it, it's really exciting to, to have those things in the library. We have a small piece of the exhibit on the third floor of Addlestone right now, and that's really nothing compared to what's coming in, in the next year or so. Okay. Well, I look forward to that. It should be pretty exciting. One of the things I've noticed when you wander around the library nowadays is how many students are there, which has got to make you feel good about that. It's one of the busiest buildings on campus. And one of the things I think people who are not don't spend a lot of time in libraries simply do not understand is that libraries are not these sort of just book depositories. You know, they're not just a place that has, you know, shelves with, you know, a bunch of bound materials. They're actually really living, breathing places where students engage in the type of intellectual activities and creative activities that they need to be able to do to complete their coursework for a college degree. I mean, Addlestone is the living laboratory for all of our students, regardless of major, regardless of discipline. It provides everything that they need in order to learn and do their coursework and a facility where they can do that comfortably and securely. Um, you know, on, on campus. So it, you know, it's, there's, it's not a secret that it's one of the busiest buildings on campus. I think every student figures that when they get here. And I always tell people, you know, it's a sign of the health of the institution that you can tell a lot about the quality of a university based on the quality of its library. It really, if you go to a university and you're on a tour and you're visiting and they don't take you in the library and you go anyway, and it's not very nice, it's an indication that there are problems with the, the university. It's sort of like measuring the blood pressure of an institution. It's going to give you an idea of the health of that institution, the intellectual environment of the institution. You know, if they have a fancy brand new football stadium and a rundown library, they probably don't prize academics the way we do at the College of Charleston. I like that. Now, you are an alum of the College of Charleston. You received your master's degree in 1990. Two years later, you started in special collections uh, when the campus library was back at uh, Robert Scott Small's building. Uh, then you moved to what was then the brand new Addlestone Library, and you were named Dean of Libraries in 2012. You've got history here. You've got a lot of history here. You've seen a lot of changes, especially when it comes to technology. Uh, tell me about some of those changes and what has remained the same. Well, I think what's remained the same is that the contribution that librarians and archivists make to student success. This, the faculty and staff of the library have always been deeply committed to providing 
you know, real learning support for our students, for our faculty, for our larger community. That commitment has not changed. In fact, in some ways it's intensified. We have a wonderful group of librarians who, you know, inherited the wonderful work of everyone that came before them. Uh, but pretty much everything else has changed. I mean, you know, the biggest change is whenever I first was at, you know, at the college in 1999 and then started working full time in our special collections in 2001, you know, we were still very much oriented around print materials. Electronic resources were available, but even a lot of the journal subscriptions we had were still print. They would come in issues. We would send them off to be bound together at the end of the year, and that's still how students access them. And, of course, we were in a, a building that was much too small for the campus that we had grown into. Uh, Adelstone is about three times the size of Robert Scott Small. Uh, there was not adequate space for students to do their work. Uh, so that's been a big change. But even after we moved into Adelstone, I always remind folks that we didn't have Wi-Fi when we moved into Adelstone because it wasn't really a thing. Um, we had a building that was wired for Ethernet throughout. And we were still growing the print collection you know, every single year more than the electronic materials. And just to give you an idea of how fast things change, in you know, 2014, we had roughly three quarters of a million print books uh, we had almost no ebooks. We had a handful, but not anything really worth counting. So between 2014 and 2019, we grew the ebook collection to over a million and access to over a million and a half ebooks. So it took us 250 years just about to grow to three quarters of a million print books and about five years to double that in ebooks. So the, the, the switch over to electronic information in many ways has changed everything. It changes the way we have to budget the way we share materials with other libraries. Uh, but at the end of the day, the library really is still the place that students go to in order to study, to learn, to have access to the materials they need to complete their coursework. But more importantly, it's where they can access librarians, which uh, for any students who you know, want to know the difference between sort of that B plus or A minus or A minus and A plus, I, I would tell you it's spending time in the library with a librarian. And we can really measure that data. Students perform better when they spend more time in the library, and they perform even better if they work with a librarian. So um, the one constant is the really wonderful work of the faculty and staff in the library has been a consistent bar that has been set very high long before I arrived here, and certainly I think will continue long after I'm retired. And what's amazing to me is you can buy coffee now in the yeah. library. Who would have thought of that? Yeah, well, I, we had students bring in pizzas. You know, I mean, it's <laughs> the, yeah, you, you couldn't, uh, and, and it does cause some issues. I mean, we do have to stay on top of, of making sure that they keep the building clean because there's a famous saying, especially among archivists, which is roaches eat books. Uh, so you don't want to attract bugs, but uh, you also have to sort of live with the times. And we want it to be a comfortable space. Uh, we do try to limit any of the noise to the first floor of the library that is the collaborative learning floor uh, where students can work in small groups and communicate. We try to keep the second and third floor as quiet as possible. Uh, whenever we do surveys with students, the, the areas of improvement that they point out for the library is they want uh, more collaborative study space where they can work with their colleagues and they want more quiet, silent study space where they can work in quiet. So these, these sort of two opposite ends of how students do their classwork are both something they want from the library that we try to provide. Are you noticing that students are asking for more things from a library? You know, they are. I mean, you know, they want to be able to check out calculators and cameras and recorders and charging cables and, you know, but really... 
it isn't that different. I mean, they've always looked to the library to provide help and to provide the resources they need to complete their coursework. And some of those things have changed. For decades, we have checked out boxes of rocks for students in geology. Uh, we have Roman coins in special collections that have been assigned for classes in classics. Uh, you know, we've always provided unique collections that are things other than books and, and try to remind people that libraries existed before there were bound volume books and they will exist long after. Uh, so it's uh, the types of materials that we provide, you know, everything from, you know, fossils to, you know, to, to rocks, to coins uh, are all available in the library, but it's really built around the curriculum. The library is here to support students, support faculty, and support the curriculum at the College of Charleston. So as that changes, the types of materials and services we provide change with it. Well, we are now into this school year and uh, students are returning and of course faculty here. Uh, what can they look forward to as they walk in the library? Well, I hope what they can look forward to is that they're coming into a, a serious space that's comfortable for learning, that they're able to bring in their books, meet with their friends, complete their coursework, feel safe, comfortable, and that they have everything that they need to complete that work. And if they don't, there's someone there to help them to provide those resources or to tell them where to get them. You know, it's uh, traditional for libraries to provide that type of service. Public librarians provide tax support for citizens and all kinds of things. So that mentality really flows through the entire profession, um, that sense of service and commitment. You know, libraries are special places. It is, uh, there's nothing quite like it. And I've always been impressed by, you know, the commitment and ethics of librarians. They're deeply committed to providing fair, equitable resources the other thing that is wonderful about libraries is we provide everything regardless of discipline. There is no lab that you're locked out of because that isn't your major. There is no you know, book that is inaccessible to you because it's only available to students from a certain school. There's no journal that you only get if you are in one particular department. Everything is available to everyone without judgment or without any restriction in the library. It is the most democratic space you will ever inhabit is, is a library. And, and we like it that way. Uh, last question. There's been a lot of talk recently about bookless libraries. I'm an old guy. I want to walk into a library. I want to see a ton of books there. But that's not happening everywhere. T tell me, what is the future? What do you see the future of academic libraries? Well, we have adopted the idea at the College of Charleston of the library from anywhere. And that includes sitting in a chair with a print book and reading it. That's incredibly important particularly to some disciplines. And it does differ for different disciplines. It differs for how students access information. Most of the journals are electronic now. They're easier to search that way. It's easier to find the article that you need. Uh, we can provide just you know, hundreds and hundreds of databases and, and, and journals that way that we, we wouldn't have the space for with print. But print is certainly not dying. Uh, it's still one of the most popular ways to absorb information until they invent some microchip they can implant in your head and download the information to, like some cyberpunk novel. The most efficient way to communicate an idea from one person to another is still the printed word in a book. There's no better way to do it, and most studies have demonstrated that students still learn more effectively and efficiently when reading a print book as opposed to on an electronic device. So you know, as long as the demand is there, we'll have the books available. But again, it, you know, it changes from different discipline to different discipline. Uh, students who are taking classes in English or history, those are still, it's very important. A monographic work is still incredibly important to those disciplines. And it's just easier to, you know, 
absorb the information that way. We also, it's also easier to share. I mean, books are, are wonderful, but they're not very complicated. We buy a book as long as we have somewhere to keep it. We can not only have it in our library, we can make it accessible to anybody that wants to borrow it. We can loan it out to other libraries. We can borrow books from other libraries. When you start dealing with electronic materials, the just the licensing alone gets very complicated. So uh, you know, we like books. Books are, are, in the long run, inexpensive ways to have that information. And you, know, you can still have Plato and Aristotle arguing things out on the shelf for all of eternity, along with every other work that we could possibly imagine. It's sort of a wonderful thing. Um, thanks for the update. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the College of Charleston with today's guest, John White, the Dean of Libraries here at the College of Charleston. You can find this and other College of Charleston podcasts on all major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a review. I'm Mike Robertson. Thanks again for listening to Inside the College of Charleston. 